0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
3: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Well, good morning and welcome back to the program. It is the Tuesday edition of The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or translator and around the world at michaeldukeshow.com dot on the internet. Hello, my friends. How are you doing? You ready to go? Just another beautiful day here in paradise. Rainy, wet, and uh, oh so fire free around the old homestead. So kind of uh, kind of glad for that. Kind of glad and excited. Uh, that that's where we're at. Tuesday edition of the broadcast and we have got uh, plenty of stuff to talk about this morning. We are ready to dive into this and uh, unpack uh, a bunch of stuff, including um, uh, uh, including uh, the weekly top three, which is uh, of course our deep dive into Alaskan politics. Courtesy of our friends uh, over there at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, Brad Keithley will be joining us here in a few moments to talk about that and oh so much more. It's going to be fun stuff. Today on the agenda, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming primary and what we expect to see out of some of that. Uh, Also, a bit of spin by the governor on the fiscal year 23 budget that you've seen come out in the papers recently. And the proposal, uh, final thing, is going to be the proposal in the leg- by the legislature to spend $100,000 on a, quote-unquote, friendly lawsuit. No, I'm not exactly sure how you define that, as friend- but it's a friendly lawsuit. Right, we just got a question here. we just—it's nothing— Not that personal, but we're just gonna sue you, Uh, anyway. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Brad Keithley is going to be uh, the guest today uh, to discuss those things here in our one uh, of the uh, big radio show. Then in our two, uh, we will—I don't know—we'll throw some things around here at the top of the hour, and then we're going to be talking with uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer who's going to come in and give us a bit of a positivity. positivity. He's going to give us some life coaching. God, do I need some life coaching. Chris, come save me. I need some coaching in my life. It's a hot mess, this thing called life. Anyway, Chris is going to come in and talk with us. Uh, I have no idea what his topic is going to be, but I'm sure it will be. Educational, uh, whatever it is So we look forward to talking with Chris Story in uh, Hour 2 uh, Meanwhile, a couple of ways that you can participate on the program today uh, First and foremost, you can, as always, just do what you're doing right now Which is, of course, listening on your favorite radio station And or FM translator across the state of Alaska um, And then you can also, of course, listen to the show uh, on the internet If you get to a point where your radio is not working You know, maybe you're in a building or something Or you're in a bad spot on the highway uh, You still potentially Could be listening on the audio live stream um, Which is available On my website at michaeldukeshow.com Of course the podcasts Are also uh, available If you miss anything And you're just totally out of contact Then you can go over to uh, the podcast Wherever you find CastBox, Stitcher Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, any of those will do it. And finally, you can join us on the simulcast, which I only had to restart three times this morning to get it to work. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. Facebook, every Tuesday, it seems like it's Tuesdays. I don't know if it's just a thing on Tuesdays, but Tuesdays, I always seem to have a hard time getting the simulcast to work on Facebook but I finally got it going this morning and so we are broadcasting and simulcasting on Facebook YouTube and twitch there you go any one of those and of course the benefit of participating in those uh, on the simulcast is that you're in the chat room and I can see your comments and I can see everything that's going on and it's it's amazing and I'll talk to you during the break and Brad will hang out with us and Chris will hang out with us and we're just it's like an old homes week. It's it's uh, it's fun. Come on down and, and, and be part of it. Be part of it. All right. <clears throat> it was a little cool this morning. I will admit that I did run the heater here in the studio just for a bit. Usually I reserve that for winter, but it is a little cool and it is a little rainy. And that's what we can expect for the next few days here in the... Uh, In the state of Alaska. And, in fact, down here in the uh, south-central area, uh, rain has now moved um, the uh, Anchorage area into its eighth wettest start to the year on record. They saw 1.75 inches of rain on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is the wettest that it's been since 2001. Uh, That's going to leave some of the water levels to rise Officials in the Matsu, according to KTUU, are urging folks to be especially careful, recommending that if you are in areas where there's a lot of rain, don't go camp on sandbars or right next to the edge of the rivers and things like that. Be wary because water levels can rise very rapidly. And if you live in an area that's prone to flooding or flood zones or any other low-laying areas near streams or rivers, you need to keep an eye on what's going on. The Tanana up in the interior and the Kenai down on the peninsula are also running high. Um, Southeast Alaska is seeing some scattered showers as well. Um, and up in the interior, you're going to see some of that. So it's, um, I mean, it's good news. It's good. It's good. It's, um, you know, it's it's pos- positive, positive, positive. Uh, that at least the world is not burning. Um, But we've seen a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of rain and we're going to see a lot more here over the next few days. But that's good. That's real good because we have surpassed the milestone of uh, 3 million acres burned this summer. We already talked about the fact that there were over 227 forest fires or wildfires burning across the state of Alaska, and uh, there are some biggins, some biggins out there. Now, they've all been, hopefully, the recent rainfall has helped hamper those, but uh, right now, 3 million acres of wildfires, including the Clear Fire, which is burning up there near Anderson in the interior, that's uh, reached a total of just over 72,000 acres, but they do say 56% of the perimeter is now contained. That's from the, uh, from the Northern Rockies Incident Management Team. That was started on uh, July 21st by Lightning, and uh, its uh, estimated containment date is going to be July the 30th. The other one that you probably m- or may not have heard of is the Lime Complex of fires, which is in southwest Alaska. That's a total of 18 fires, uh, 18 fires, two of which are actually staffed, 14 are going basically unfought, uh, currently 865,000 acres that have burned in uh, in those fires, uh, sp- spanning across an area. I mean, you think, why wow, 865,000, that's a lot. Well, except for the fact that it's covering 21 million acres. So those fires are spread out all over the place. Uh, the recent rainfall has definitely limited the fire activity and definitely helping uh, those. Uh, there's also the mountain, the Door Mountain Fire at 114,000 acres, and the Coktuli River and Pike Creek Fire that is 293,000 acres. Both are within the Lime Creek area. The Dalton Highway Complex Fire is 17. Fires that are burning for a total of almost 90,000 acres. And then finally, <clears throat> the Bean Complex includes seven fires burning on the Yukon, uh, Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta that all began from lightning strikes back in June. And uh, they've got about 193,000 acres of that fire. they got about 290 people fighting those. Uh, they say the estimated containment date for that fire is October 1st. They're going to be fighting that one for a while. So anyway... A little rain, little little wet, little moist. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Uh, of course, I did notice that the uh, ADN immediately posted a story about the uh, the at least, immediately threw a story about uh, uh, w- what the homeless are doing in the rain because uh, this homelessness issue is it's real, folks. In Anchorage, they've got a. I mean, they've got some serious. Uh, they got some serious issues, um, and uh, the homeless are now all camped out at uh, the Centennial Park down there. After they shut down the Sullivan Arena as a uh, as a shelter, and now this nothing but days and days and days of rain has definitely uh, thrown a uh, a whole wrench into that kind of scenario but this is an issue that's going to continue to haunt the Anchorage area for a while uh no real solutions you know we've talked about it on this program in the past that uh uh the uh, you know this homelessness issue is not a soundbite issue it's not something where you can issue <clears throat> excuse me where you can issue one you know thing and this is this is how you fix there's no magic bullet for this um i could tell you one thing we shouldn't do is we should not follow in the footsteps of Seattle or Portland or Los Angeles and done the things that they've done, because we, that's proven to not work. What we need to do is we need to look at some of the different areas around the country that have dealt with homelessness and found some solutions and work from those. That's, that's really what we need to do. Um, but anyway, this is a it's, the rain is good for a lot of us, but some of us not so much. Um, I guess finally I'll read this story, uh, because I just, uh, you know, it, it's so sad. It's really, it really is. An Anchorage woman lost more than $4,000 after falling victim to a scam that appears to, have, uh, that had appeared to have originated from the social security administration. She never thought she'd fall for a scam, but she does want others to be alerted. KTUU reports the story. Uh, she goes by, she's going by the name of Vicky. She's remaining anonymous, but what happened is that on Saturday morning, Vicky received an urgent call from a man identifying himself as David who claimed to work with the social security administration. He told her she was in legal trouble because someone in Texas apparently stole her identity was, and was attempting to frame her for a crime. Uh, basically, um, she knew some, she knew people in Texas and David seemed to know a lot about her. She said that he warned her that in order to prove her innocence, she'd have to cooperate with him and do exactly what he said and stay on the phone with her. She was on the phone with him for six hours, six hours. She finally, he finally convinced her to go to a grocery store, drain her bank account by purchasing all the $500 Nike gift cards that she could afford And uh, he told her that they'd issue her new Social Security numbers and all the funds would be returned after the investigation. She was instructed to photograph the cards and the PIN numbers and text those to a secure government number. And anyway, after six hours on the phone, she she finally realized that maybe this was a scam. And uh, it, it was it was the government is never going to call you. And keep you on the phone like if they've got a problem with you legally, they usually will just send you a certified letter or some form of law enforcement will show up at your house. I think that's uh, pretty much where it's going to be. I mean, it's uh, it's but folks, if you get a call purportedly from the Marshall Service or the IRS or the Secret Service or the Social Security Administration or some other for. You know, they're not, no, they'll just, they'll show up at your house if it's serious enough, or they'll send you a registered certified letter. That's how it works. It's just so sad. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Brad Keithley up next. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free like America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook live and Michael Dukes show.com.
2: All right, we're in the break. Good morning. And thank you for coming in. Uh, sorry for the false starts this morning. Um, I saw a, um, um, I, I saw a couple people try and comment this morning on the YouTube as I tried to restart. I I had to restart the whole thing three times this morning. I don't know why. I don't know what was going on. And I don't know why it always seems like it's on Tuesdays that we've got to do that. I mean, I mean it was one of those things. I, anyway, I'm... I apologize because I saw some people commenting on YouTube as I as I was leaving, you know, just as I was about to close the broadcast to restart again. So it uh, it is it is what it is. Um, raining a lot in Fairbanks. Finally, no smoke. Yeah, all that rain has knocked the smoke out of the air, which is good. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, little Sue. The little Susitna is running hard, says Brian. Yep, lots of rain. Got to be filling up uh, filling up, and getting all that stuff squared away. Uh, ask Kelly Shabaka how to solve homelessness. She says her family was homeless for a time when she was a child. Yeah, she says Alaska is all about it. Yeah, I had to report a hacker sending messages from a profile as Mike Dunleavy. No picture on the profile. Another tells he couldn't answer basic questions that the governor would have no problem answering. Just tried to... De- To uh, deflect my questions with a comment asking if I had applied for state of Alaska benefits. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course it was. YMCA was started as a men's homeless shelter. Columbus, Ohio seems to be doing a good job, says Kathleen. To look at what Columbus is doing for the homeless. Uh, Let me, uh, whoops. Hey, where did that go? Give me that back. There we go. Let me uh, open, let me, excuse me while I whip this out. Let me see if I can get uh, my Zoom meeting uh, rolling here for Brad Keithley. Come on. There you go. Getting a little worried. Getting a little worried. Oh, wait, I got to turn Brad down because otherwise he's going to blow our socks completely off here. All righty. Turn that down, turn that down. Turn this way down, and then we'll hit the join uh, with audio. Good morning. Nope. Good morning. Nope. Good morning, Brad. How are you this morning? Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Good. Look at that. I prevented the ear blast here (laughs) this morning here uh, on the thing. Uh, I'm doing okay. You, you stay in dry and warm down there in Anchor Town? Do you have your your booties and your little, and your Ark, your Noah's Ark? Gonna...
1: <laughs> well, we may have rain background noise here. It's it's raining sort of hard here against the yeah. against The wind. Window. I was
2: I was laughing because in the studio here, there's a window that looks out right behind. It's got some heavy curtains on it for sound, but uh, I was sitting here this morning working and all I heard was tackety-cackety- tackety-cackety on the inside of the windows. I'm like, it's blowing straight into the house. It's the weirdest thing. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean it's good. It's good. I I mean I I would love to have a little bit of sunshine and no rain, but I also don't want to have everything in the world burned down around us. So
1: yeah, flowers
2: blooming, grass growing, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. Well, my son was definitely disappointed because the grass like le- I mean we've been watering the hell out <laughs> of our lawn for like 2 months, right? We've been he's been watering every day and everything else, but man, as soon as that rain hit, the grass jumped up about four inches, and he's like, "Oh my god, I got to mow it again." Yes, son, that is life. Welcome to welcome to adulting. So uh, anyway, it's uh, it's good. Uh, glad to have him here. Um, all right. Uh, so you about ready to uh, dive into this here?
1: And I am. I am. I've been spending the morning, the, the little bit of the morning I've had, looking at the thirty-day reports. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about those too. uh Oh, okay. All right. Well, we will. Uh, We'll uh,
2: talk about that here and get things started here in just a hot second, so don't go anywhere. Brad Keithley, our guest here uh, on the Michael Duke Show, we're going to get started in just a moment. And uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll get things going on. We're about 30 seconds out now from rejoining the radio. Which is my time, my opportune time, to remind you to like and share this video. To uh, like and follow... Yikes. I didn't turn that one down Like and follow the show page And uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube That's how you do it And uh, do all the youtube things And do the same thing on Twitch Alright, here we go Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio Let's do it All right, welcome back. It's time for the Weekly Top 3. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us on the program this morning, ready to dive into some stuff and cover what he considers to be the top three most important things that we should be focusing on this week. Why? Because we named it the Weekly Top 3. That's why. That's what, that's what it's all about. Um, but let's start things out. First things first, the primaries. More discussions, more decisions, fundraising, dollars, money. There's all kinds of functions and features here, Brad. Where do we uh, where do we
1: get started? Well, let's start sort of where we left off uh, last week. We were talking last week about a poll that uh, Alaska Research Survey had Ivan Moore's group had done, and we were sort of puzzling through the numbers and trying to figure out where uh, Charlie Pierce was and and that sort of stuff. There right. was an article. There was an article last week in the ADN that had as an attachment. The poll results themselves, and sort of uh, provided some additional light uh, to what we were talking about last week, and and gives a it's an insight. I think uh, at least I'm gaining an insight into how ranked choice voting is uh, is going to work. Um, So the poll results showed that uh, that that what we were talking about last week, the Dunleavy, Guerra, Walker results uh, were the result of the second round. Uh, uh, in, in fact, Ivan had done, uh, essentially a poll of the first round and then, uh, and then dropped out the, the trailing candidate, the fourth candidate, uh, and consolidated that into the second round. And the numbers we saw last week were the second round first round was the first round was interesting. It was, um, according to the poll results in the first round, uh, Dunleavy has 42.5% of the vote among those who are who are certain that they will vote right numbers for the category of certain uh 42.5 percent of the vote uh les Guerra uh and uh, and his running mate 26.7 percent of the vote uh bill walker 20 percent of the vote and then charlie uh with 10 percent of the vote uh which uh was was pretty good i mean pretty significant for a guy that's uh doesn't have a whole lot of name recognition and the poll results uh, for, for readers that are interested go to the go to the adn article and then look for the link to the to the poll results um so charlie's were pretty good for you know 10 for uh, some guy that doesn't have a lot of name recognition statewide and the in the poll will have information about his name recognition statewide in there and then in the second round charlie drops out charlie's dropped out since he's the trailing and his second uh, second uh, preference votes then are redistributed among the remaining three candidates, and Dunleavy moves from forty-two point five percent among certain those certain to vote to uh, uh, fifty point. Let's see, it's fifty point. Yep, oh, wrong direction. Fifty point. Uh, well, fifty even. A little bit, a little bit over fifty percent um, uh, for uh, uh, in the second round. So what happens in ranked choice voting? Um, and 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 you know, it, it, I and others are starting to get our minds around this, what happens in ranked choice voting? It, it really the second and third candidates aren't all that important. <laughs> they they are if the if the top two candidates are running close to each other, but if you've got a situation like the poll results show that we have here, uh, with the top running can, the top running candidate not yet at 50%, but running ahead. The second and third candidates sort of splitting the vote between them. Right. And then the fourth candidate uh, uh, running behind, but 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 nevertheless in the race. The fourth candidate, uh then when you when you go to the second round, the fourth candidate's votes are all that are, are, are all that count. His second his second choice votes are all that count. And that's what pushes Dunleavy over the top. If 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 Walker had been close or if Guerra had been close, maybe. It goes to a third round but because the second and third candidates are splitting the vote uh splitting the the, the anti Dunleavy or the non dunleavy vote between them um uh, Charlie sort of determines Charlie's second second choice vote sort of determine the election so it's um it, it's an education that that you know who's in fourth place uh it may not be you <laughs> may not be good for them uh, because they may not be on the way to, to winning the election, but uh, who it, the, the preferences, the second the, the second choice preferences of the candidate in fourth place may very well determine the outcome of the election, and that's what that's what the poll results uh, are showing here. So it's sort of it's it, it, it it's important who gets into fourth place, and I think I think the lesson of all this is the hat. Interestingly enough. That I think the Dunleavy, if Dunleavy's not going to get fifty percent um, in the first round, what he really wants people to do is vote for Charlie. Uh, if they're not going to vote for him, he really wants them voting for Charlie because it looks like when it was Charlie in fourth place, uh, when you if Dunleavy doesn't get fifty percent in the first round in November, right, then Charlie second point but second uh, preference votes will uh, will will push him over. Um, it's a it's an interesting phenomena as you start as you start to work well, through this how r- all this works.
2: This reminds us we had a discussion with Dr. Fred Van Bennekom here a few weeks ago talking about ranked choice, and he was a rank, he's a ranked choice voting expert from the Great Brook Institute, and he said in many areas where they have experimented with ranked choice voting, that has become the that has become the strategy is that a group of Republicans or a band of Republicans will run for the same or, or adjacent offices in different districts. And they basically started to kind of all campaign together and say, you know, either vote for me for number one, but if you can't vote for me, at least put me number two, putting it into that number two slot. And uh, basically, banding together and uh, and doing that basically focus it reminds me of the old Avis ad that we're number two because we try harder, right?, uh, which was really not true. The whole marketing story behind that is that they were actually elect number seven, but it was all about perception. We're number two because we try harder, but that seemed to like that seems to be the whole thing is that focusing on getting that number two vote is almost as imperative for many people as getting the number one vote uh, so they can get it through. And maybe that's Dunleavy's plan here to try and do that. I, I just I just don't know. It's gonna be such a hot mess. Um that I and I think people are still confused, even though I'm starting to see a few more ads now trickle through. I think people are still confused at this point.
1: Well, and at least in the governor's race, we're gonna be confused. We're gonna be confused for a while because as as you pointed out, as I learned early on from listening to the Michael Duke show, uh in in the August primary, we have one vote. Uh, and then in the, and we don't have these, these the ranked choice vote until we get in the governor's race until we get to, uh, until we get to November. So, you know, it, it's, it, the, the, the one vote, even if your guy is losing, even if you know your guy isn't going to win the August primary or your, or your woman, whatever it, right it, even if you know, they're not going to win, uh, the August primary, it's nevertheless important, significant, and, and it counts to, to vote for them. I mean, voting for Charlie. Is a vote to get him into fourth place, right? Position him, <laughs> position him. A, I think, I think it will give him more name recognition. I think it will promote his candidacy uh, throughout the state to be in the in the top four, certainly. Uh, but B, it sort of positions him to play to play that role as as the uh, in fourth place to you know, if we go into additional rounds. If no one gets fifty percent in the first round, to for his second second preference voters uh, to determine the outcome of the race.
2: No, and i I think I think you're right. I think if he is able to pass the primary, Charlie, in this case, is able to pass in uh, pass the primary and get into the general as the fourth choice, that gives him a much better platform to get a basically above the noise of all the other candidates that are out there right now running, and then give people who are frustrated with uh, Governor Dunleavy's performance an alternative that maybe they didn't know, and maybe maybe those numbers change. I, I don't know. Um, but it was surprising to me that there was such a show of support 42, what'd you say? 42% in the first round, 43% in the first round for governor Dunleavy. That's a, that's, that shocked me quite honestly. That was a lot higher than I was expecting.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, it was 42 among the, the, those certain to vote. It was, uh, 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 51% among those very, very likely to vote. And, and I guess the thing that I, that's, that's, that's surprising. Uh, but I guess the thing that's even more surprising to me is this split between Walker and Gera, um, it, it, you know, and with Gera in the first round, at least having more vote than, uh, than Walker, 26% of those certain to vote versus right. 20 per, per 20% for Walker. And I, and I really, you know, I thought Walker would do a lot stronger uh, in, um, uh, in the first round. And I thought he'd be, I I thought, uh, just, you know, thinking about it, I thought it would be Dunleavy, Walker, Gara far behind Walker significantly. And then Charlie in fourth, um, with the potential that, you know, Walker held Dunleavy down enough that, that, that the fourth, when you doing the fourth round, doing the fourth place votes, redistributing them didn't get Dunleavy over 50%, and so you then kicked into the third place votes, or the third finisher votes, and uh, and I thought that would be a race, uh, where the race would be between Walker and uh, and Dunleavy. But now, you know, looking at the poll results at least, uh, Walker and Guerra are just splitting that vote almost right down the middle between the two of them, the non-Dunleavy vote between the two of them, and uh, and essentially knocking each other out um i think we're past well maybe we're not past the withdrawal date but i but i but i but we're moving uh, uh farther down the road and i don't think less is going to be uh inclined to uh to drop out so if these if these trends hold i see where you know where the the story last week talked about you know dunleavy being far ahead and 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 moving into uh uh, uh, almost an unbeatable position. I see where those numbers are coming
2: from. They could, yeah, could happen. Surprising to me that uh, Gara was garnering about thirty uh, percent more of that vote than uh, Walker was it twenty-six to twenty, something like that. Right. So it's a pretty significant amount when it's all said and done. And as you said, a,
1: I'm sorry, there's a lot of southeast vote. I mean, what's what's going on with less is there's a lot of southeast vote for less. Yeah. for less, a lot of traditional Democrat uh, uh, vote for less. Well, that's really where.
2: And, of course, part of these campaigns has to do with money. And it was reported late last night, early this morning, that uh, there was a lot of campaign reports that came out. And, of course, yesterday was all about the monies from the various candidates. And uh, Bill Walker had uh, quite a, a 30-day reporting quarter there uh, for himself. But it may not
1: be from who you expect. I know you wanted to hit on this as part of number 1. I do. Uh, so Jeff Landfield... Uh, was going through the 30 day reports. We'll see all sort of pre- all sorts of press reports today about the 30 uh, day reports. These are the reports that the candidate statewide candidates file or state candidates file uh, 30 days in advance of the election. Um, and landfield had a uh, had a, a piece up uh, uh, on Facebook last night that he'd looked at Walker's report. Walker had eight hundred and some odd thousand dollars uh, uh, contributed to his campaign three hundred thousand of that uh came from in in three individual uh hundred thousand dollar donations uh two of them uh were from people who had been behind and pushed in and are pushing the rank choice voting um uh, approach catherine murdoch uh from new york and uh, greg orman from kansas uh uh, were two of the three hundred thousand dollar contributors. Kathy and Murdoch uh, Kathy Murdoch, by the way, was the lady that said Alaska is a cheap date. That was uh that was her famous comment on the rank choice voting thing. Sorry, go ahead. Well no, and and she and 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 Orman uh both were uh, have been big advocates of uh of, of rank choice voting and of independent candidates generally. Greg ran for Senate. In Kansas, if I recall, I think it was Senate uh, as an independent, did fairly well for a while, uh, spent a lot of money on it, ultimately uh, didn't win the election. But, uh, but both of them have been big proponents of, of independence generally and in ranked choice voting. And then the third was interesting. I've not dug into this. I'm sure uh, there will be uh, there will be various reports today that do. Uh, but the third was uh, a guy by the name of Jason Carroll, uh, who lists his occupation as journalist and his employer as CNN, Uh, and I've not heard that name before, uh, but uh, but he was the third uh person. So of eight uh, Walker's eight hundred dollars, three hundred thousand dollars of it is coming from three individuals and one hundred thousand dollar uh tranches. Now, not to be outdone, <laughs> I went I went before the show, I went and 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 worked briefly through Dunleavy's uh, uh contribution list, and right. he also has three. Uh, he has over a million dollars uh, uh, in uh, in donations for that he's reporting in the 30-day report. A lot of that's coming from uh, a transfer from the campaign before he named Nancy Dalstrom as his vice as his lieutenant governor candidate, um, and so it's it's a transfer over from the previous campaign. Uh, but he has he also has three hundred thousand uh, dollar donors. One of them is his brother Francis Dunleavy. Right. Uh, uh, hundred and sixty some odd thousand dollars, if I recall correctly, from just glancing through it. Bob Penny, <laughs> uh, uh, our friend Bob Penny from down on the Kenai, um, uh, also a hundred thousand uh, dollars contributing, and then a guy who I who I've done a quick search on and really don't know that much about. This is sort of like the third one from the Walker campaign, but a guy by the name of Armand Brockman who is a, uh, apparently an apartment and real estate developer from, from Minnesota, uh, also has given a hundred thousand dollars, uh, to Dunleavy. I'm sure we'll see, uh, more, uh, digging into that, uh, as, uh, as the, as the, in the days ahead by, uh, by the press, but, you know, Walker, Walker Landfield had the had was out of the gate. First with talking about, uh, Walker's hundred thousand dollars donors, but, uh, Dunleavy's, uh, not that far behind, uh, Dunleavy also has, and again, I'm sure we'll see more analysis of this in the days ahead. But Dunleavy also has a significant contingent of money coming from Houston. Um, frankly, some of the from the some of the oil and gas loggers that I used to uh, used to practice with in the old days. So um, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of outside money that's uh, that, that's coming <clears throat> into this. Race. And
2: just a quick reminder: Bob Penny, by the way, was the guy that had the no bid contract with the state as. Well, I mean, just want to throw that out there to remind people uh, his, that. his
1: his son Clark Penny, his son. I'm him. sorry,
2: yeah, I'm sorry, his son, not him, his son. Uh, all right. Well, we're up against the break,
1: Brad. Quick, brief peek at number two. We got to go here. Well, number two is uh, an opinion piece that Dunleavy had in the uh, uh, in the ADN, claiming victory on uh, on the budget. Uh, that uh, the budget was uh, was a win for Alaskans. Uh, we talked about the budget a lot last week, uh, but this uh, this piece has some things that uh, I want to delve into uh, uh, to to talk about it again. Brad
2: Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We continue here in just a moment. The weekly top three. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio.
0: Our light, our guide.
2: And our trusted friend. Mike, 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 and we're in the break right now. What was that contract for, Brad? i forgot. forgotten. It was a consulting contract with the administration as a special advisor to the governor, wasn't it? I
1: for, for economic development. Economic re- development, e- yeah. If I recall correctly, um, and um, he was supposed to turn up leads for a, for investments in Alaska or something like that um <laughs> the, the reaction from
2: the chat room wait what outside money trying to determine a race shocking i tell you <gasps> gasp get like gasp shocking dark money
1: <laughs> wow well, at least it's not at least it's not dark money <laughs> at least we know yeah we know we know where it's coming from it's just a lot of money i mean yeah. So 3 3 eighths, uh, whatever that is a 12, that's quite a bit about 40% um of uh of Walker's money is coming from three individuals uh out of state individuals and you right. know I as I say uh y- you can count Bob Penny as in state money uh uh for for Dunleavy but Francis's money Francis his brother lives in Houston and and Bachman lives in um uh, uh in Minnesota so Plus, you know, you got all this Houston money that's coming in. So there's gonna there's a lot of outside money. It's disclosed, so it's not dark at least, but right, there's a right. lot, a lot of outside money that's uh that's coming into the state. I took a glance at Les's um uh donations and at Charlie's donations. Um there's no hundred thousand dollar donors for uh for either I didn't see any for Les, but there's no hundred thousand dollars donors for Charlie. I went through his uh uh, fairly completely, uh, last night. So it's, um, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing money attracted to the candidates. And even with that, I guess it's notable, even with that Walker is still, you know, in third place in the initial voting, according right. to, uh, According to uh, uh, according to the polls, so right.
2: well, and again, interesting uh, Charlie with the lowest name recognition of the bunch and probably competing at 25 dollar intervals instead of hundred thousand dollar intervals as far as donations go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's everything that I can do to try and just get Charlie's name out there for people because we need that other choice. again, I was I was literally shocked when I saw that reporting that uh, Dunleavy had garnered forty two percent of that vote. Uh, and I'm glad you were able to dig in and get the the figure out that that was actually round two because I was just like, what happened? It's good to know that Charlie does have at least enough name recognition. It seems to trump the rest of the uh, of the pack, so to speak. Uh, but let's hope that maybe between August the 16th and November. Uh, Charlie can make enough headway to eke and eat a little bit into Dunleavy's um, lead, giving them a, you know, giving them a second option anyway, at least.
1: You know, you know, Michael, we need to think about this uh, because again, what the poll tells us is who finishes in fourth for somebody where somebody's way out in front who, who finishes in fourth is important. So, you know, there, there's, I am sure there's a scenario where you want, this is horrible to say, but where you want Charlie and fourth, you want his second preference votes to be the ones that determine the outcome of the race. If right. Charlie would sneak ahead of less, for example, or sneak ahead of Walker, and then it's Walker's votes or less's votes that determine the outcome uh, uh, in, uh, in, in, in the ultimate uh, in, 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 you know, in round two, that's not the outcome, not the outcome you would want. So this is, the 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 strategy and the tactics behind all of this is just uh, sort of mind-boggling. So, for example, I mean, just to put some concreteness. So, for example, let's say Les takes off, and let's say Les gets close to Dunleavy, um, and and it's the two of them uh, that are one and two in the in the in, 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 after after the after the first round's done. Right. Charlie Charlie comes up. Uh, overtakes uh, uh, Walker, and Walker drops to fourth. So then in round two, it's Walker's second preference votes that are distributed instead of Charlie's. Right,
2: which are more likely to favor less than anybody else at that point. So, it, yeah, you're right. It is interesting in that regard because if, if Charlie does become third, then whoever he beats at this point, it would be Walker, would be the next lowest, then Walker's number twos would go to presumably Gara, potentially, if it was 20 and 26, that puts him at 46. Uh, I mean, yeah, it it, it it that would lead maybe to a fourth round. So it's, yeah, this whole thing is it's so complex. It's so, I mean, it's so convoluted. And, of course, you know, making the recount nearly impossible because it's all with these various ballots and it's got to be done by computer, which you know, nobody trusts that anymore, it seems like. Everybody's got some questions about it. It definitely um, leads to a lot of questions. It, it is a super
1: complex um, situation. It is, and I'm not, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure at the end of the day if this is going to express the will of the people uh, or not, because you've got a situation in which the fourth—I mean, at least looking at the poll that Ivan did and the results from the poll—you've got a situation in which the fourth round, second, the, the fourth place, second preference votes. Are going to determine uh, the outcome of the election. the 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 second finisher and the third finisher's second preference votes aren't aren't going got to it. have any have any impact.
2: Yep. All right, we got to go. We heard the ding. Time to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share the show. Here we go. All right, Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're ready to dive into this uh, number two. I don't know if we're going to get to number three. We're working hard. Getting to number two, which, of course, is the governor's spin on the fiscal year 23 budget. I read this piece, Brad, and... um, I, I just don't even know what to think at this point. I mean, I just don't. How do you, you know, how do you, how do you polish a turd? Um, I, apparently, according to Mythbusters, it can be done. And, uh, Dunleavy is attempting it here. Um, uh, I don't know if he does as good a job as Mythbusters, but, uh, what say you?
1: Well, the headline of the article this is a, this is an op ed piece uh, written by the governor or whoever writes for the governor these days. Uh, opinion states 2023 budget represents bipartisan wins for Alaskans. I, I get it. I get it. It is campaign season, uh, and, uh, and 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 incumbent governor wants to say that you know what he's doing is a good job, and he's and he's pushing forward for Alaskans, and and uh, and and you know it, as part of his campaign to be reelected. I'm doing it now, and and reelect me so I can continue to do it. I get all that, but but he's celebrating. He is celebrating a, a, a budget that is that is not a victory for uh, uh, for uh, for for many. It's a victory for those who like government spending. It's a victory for the top twenty percent who want to finance that government spending by uh, by PFD cuts. Uh, but it's not a victory for uh, for either those uh, you know middle and lower income Alaska families who would who would benefit from PFDs or a victory for those who believe in smaller government and more limited. Uh, More limited government. Um, What the governor does is sort of cherry pick. You got to keep in mind that this last session really did two budgets at once. They redid the FY22 budget by adding a bunch of supplemental spending, and then they did the FY23 budget. And when you look at at when you look at the two budgets combined, there's not good news on the PFD front. The the FY22 budget use has has something like 1.8 billion dollars in PFD cuts, the biggest PFD cut uh, in, in in the last uh, in the history of the state, uh, but the biggest PFD cut since uh, since 2026 or 2016, by far the biggest PFD cut. We had supplemental money. We had additional FY22 money, but we didn't use it for that. We didn't use it to help supplement the PF the FY22 PFD. We left that PFD cut in place and used the supplemental money for additional spending, additional capital spending, to to pay off past uh, uh, a school bond debt reimbursement that the state had uh, had cut uh, to pay off the to, to fund the oil and gas tax credit fund, which had which was uh, which was running low to pay it off. Uh, uh, not only in the past, but but going forward, uh, we did it for additional capital spending but we didn't use any of it to to help supplement uh supplement what was the largest pfd cut in the state history. Um the FY23 budget looks better from the from the pfd standpoint because you've got uh, a pfd plus you've got uh, the envir- the the energy uh uh rebate, the energy relief, but when you consolidate the FY22 and the FY23 pfds you still have a huge pfd cut. You still have uh, it'd be near the largest in the state's history if you just average it out between between the the two years, uh, and also in FY '23 you've got you know additional spending on the capital budget and additional spending on on statewide spending, and and you know you've got the 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 the, uh, the set aside for uh, for K through twelve, the uh, the forward funding for K through twelve. Um, so you've got, when you look at these two budgets together, you have a disaster. You have a disaster from the standpoint of the PFD and you have a disaster from the standpoint of increased spending, diverting money from, from PFD cuts over to increased spending. What the governor's piece does is he cherry picks, right? He talks a lot about the PFD portion of the FY23 budget, uh, and, you know, claims success on the PFD. Uh, with respect, with respect to you know what was done with the, with the FY23 portion, he talks a lot about savings, which is coming from the FY22 portion. Um, so he he really he sort of weaves in and out, uh, talking about you know one one year alone when it suits his purpose, talking about the two years combined when it suits his purpose, and claiming victory out of that. It's it, it is it is a obviously it's a campaign piece. It is it is trying to create the impression that this budget resulted in uh in a in a strong bipartisan result as he put it but the but the, the truth of the matter is when you look at those two budgets combined when you look at at the at the legislative session and what it did to FY22 and FY23 combined um, it is it is huge spending uh, uh financed uh, on the backs largely of middle and lower income alaska families through huge pfd cuts
2: yeah i mean i had to say that the one The one paragraph in this whole thing that just made me think, This is what not what you want your base and the people that elected you to read, Mike Dunleavy, when he said, We're rebuilding our savings account that were nearly drained when I took office based on current projections we were able to put $1.7 billion into the Constitutional Budget Reserve, use the additional surplus to fund K-12 for the fiscal year. To, that's a that's billion dollars, by the way. And put more than $340 million into the higher education fund. Combined with the royalty back payments to the CBR, we're saving about $3.6 billion. Now, wait, you said you were going to give us a full PFD. And although earlier in the argument, in the, in the budget, or in the article, you tell us, oh, well, this is the largest PFD in history. It's not a full PFD, and yet you're bragging about putting away $3.6 billion, but we don't have any money to pay a, pay a full PFD. I mean, th-
1: this is just complete and total – this is not real logic, I guess, is what I'm saying. But it's logic that, you know, according to Ivan's poll, is getting him 40-plus percent in the first round. Well, that's true, fi- I guess. And 50 percent in the second round. I mean, yeah. So, so what's going on here is they have a bunch of facts – from the from you know the the budgets the FY22 and the FY23 budgets as, as they got as they got finished in the session, and then someone's gone through. It's like a game of fifty-two pickup, right? Somebody's I like, gone through and picked. I like that pick. one. I like that one. I like exactly. that one. I like that one. I don't <laughs> like that one. Don't don't
2: pick that one up. Pick this one up.
1: <laughs> exactly right. And then you're writing an article. Then you're writing an op-ed out of the cards out of the cards that you picked. So yeah. it's a uh, it, it it's a campaign piece. The campaign piece geared to oh i hate i hate this term but it's true low information voters who are who are getting most of their uh most of their knowledge from uh from from reading the the adn the op-ed and the articles in the adn um and you know and and the the most important part of it to, to dunleavy is to you know the part that says victory success Bipartisan success. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying he has a big banner behind him
2: that says mission accomplished, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, We got about two minutes here, Brad. Uh, Final things on number two, and I guess we'll do number three over the break unless you want to hold
1: on into the next hour. No, let's do it. Let's do it over the break. Um, Well, final things on number two is is... (laughs) – Don't don't watch the words. Look at what actually happened in in the budget. We've had analysis up on our page on the Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page or on our website uh, that goes through the F, the F, looks at the FY twenty two and FY twenty three budgets. Looks at the at the at the PFD cuts and and really analyzes this budget. One concerning thing, and I'll leave with this. One concerning thing. If Bud if if Dunleavy thinks this budget is a success god only knows what that means for the second term uh yeah no talk about what would a failure look like at this point what would a disaster
2: look like at this point it's uh it is insane um well brad thank you for your analysis on this i i don't even know what the next four years looks like i really don't i can't even i would hate to even put money out at this point uh we really need to get we really need to get some more name recognition for charlie pierce on this and work hard between uh now and uh, november i think uh brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets thank you my friend for coming on board michael as always thanks for having me folks that means we're out of time for hour one you gotta go you gotta go to work be kind love one another live well we will see you in hour two chris story's coming up then the michael duke show common sense radio Yeah, I'm just thinking, how could you read or write this paragraph with a straight face and be like, I'm your hero. Let me beat my chest. Look at me. I am the full PFD warrior. Pay no attention to the fact that I put $3.6 billion away and that you, you pitiful peasants, got exa- you got the highest. Why are you complaining? You got the highest you've ever asked for. We did it for you. Oh, my God. This guy is just killing me, killing me.
1: Yeah. And buying into I mean, buying into the argument that this is the highest ever looking at the absolute amount as opposed to the percent of what it should have been or anything of that sort uh, is just sort of buying into the same philosophy that that's been used the last five years of we'll just set the PFD on a whim you know we'll set we'll set it on we'll set it by number as opposed to looking at what the right. what the statute says. Well, people and forget it, people forget this is only like 60% of a full PFD.
2: Because if you take the energy rebate out it's what 2500 bucks and they say a full PFD by the average should be about 4200 4300. So you're getting about
1: 60% of a full PFD. I mean it's it, it it's crazy. Even include even include the energy rebate, Michael. And add it to and 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 then and then combine it with FY22. What we've got, including the energy rebate, what we've got is about a about about a fifty percent of the statutory PFD. Those two years combined. The 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 important deal out of this session is to is to keep looking at what they did with FY22 and FY23 combined. Right. And when you and when you because they had money, they had the money to to, to pay off the FY22 PFD. When you combine those two, what they essentially did was pay a 50% of statutory, not a 50-50, but a 50% of statutory uh, uh PFD combined uh, over those two years. And and you know, and it, and it, and and to claim, you know, and to, and to cherry pick and say, well, let's just look at FY twenty three. We did good out on FY twenty three. Well, what they did, I mean, looking at those two years combined, what they did is really load the money into FY23. Right. So they can say, "Look, look at the FY23 PFD. Isn't it? Isn't it big? Isn't it? A, isn't it a? Isn't it a great thing? Leaving the FY22 1.8 billion dollars or 1.7 billion dollars PFD cut in place, um, and not addressing that at all, uh, but loading it all into FY23, so you get a talking point out of FY23." All right,
2: Brad, number three, we got about four (laughs) minutes here. Uh, Number three, uh, which is this friendly, quote unquote, lawsuit that the legislature decided
1: to throw 100,000 bucks at, give it to me. So we've been having a dispute, goes back to the Walker administration between the legislative auditor who who audits the state's books uh, on an annual basis and the administration, starting with the Walker administration, about what to do with about 1.5 billion dollars, if I recall, in refunds that came to the state out of a out of a previous uh, uh, TAPS uh, uh, pipeline case. Uh, TAPS was ordered to refund a bunch of money to the state, uh, or to refund a bunch of money to producers that then flowed through to the state uh, in terms of taxes. And the question was whether that goes to the CBR. <coughs> excuse me, whether that money goes to the CBR or it goes to the general fund. Uh, if it was if it's treated as a refund of, of prior taxes due, it goes to the CBR. The constitution says it goes to the CBR. If it's treated as current revenue, essentially, it goes to the general fund. And the administrations, Walker administration, and the Dunleavy administration have argued that it should be treated as current revenue and go to the general fund the legislature believes it it goes to uh, it should go to the CBR. Frankly, at the end of the day, it doesn't make that much of a difference about, about where you account for it. Uh, but nevertheless, the two have battled on and on about it. And this has been going on for several years, as I say, stretching back to the Walker administration. So what the legislature did, uh, what the Legislative Budget and Audit Committee did uh, this past week was say, we need to resolve this. And the way we're going to resolve it is file a friendly lawsuit in the court's uh, against the administration uh, to ask the, the ultimately the Supreme Court, first the district court and then the Supreme Court, to resolve where this money uh, should go. And to fund this lawsuit, to pay for this lawsuit, we're going to authorize $100,000 for private lawyers uh, to go fight about this you know billion to a billion and a half uh, uh, determination. In the past, th- this says two things about the state. One, in the past, this would have been resolved by an attorney general's opinion. Uh, This state, uh, at least up until the Walker administration, um, uh, relied on attorney general's opinions as sort of the the equivalent of Supreme Court opinions. You can find a lot of decisions that have been made by the legislature or decisions that may have been made elsewhere uh, that are relying on attorney general's opinions. Basically, this says we don't trust. Basically, what the legislature is saying is we don't trust the attorney general anymore. And now we've got to engage the courts. And to engage the courts, were willing to pay a hundred thousand dollars. A hundred thousand dollars. As a former lawyer, that's even to me, that's a lot. A hundred thousand dollars to fight a lawsuit, a friendly lawsuit with the administration over how to allocate this. It should be resolved by the attorney general. We should rely on attorney general's opinions and move on. But for some reason, the legislature and and uh, and and this is Natasha, is chairman of the LBNA. The uh, legislature and the administration keep on fighting about this, and 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 now want to spend one hundred thousand dollars in state money, bleed it out into private lawyers' hands uh, to fight about it in the courts. I think that's just, I think that's just a wrong, a wrong-headed decision.
2: Where, I mean, do you have an opinion quickly here on where you think the money should be? I mean, the CBR, since it's owed a bunch of money, I think would
1: probably be the logical place. But what do you say? Oh, I think it ought to be in the CBR. I mean, I've I've fought these these pipeline battles over the years, and I think this is I think this should be treated as a refund. But again, it, it's not really that big a deal. Certainly not a a, a big enough deal to spend hundred thousand dollars trying to resolve it when you've got an attorney general who can give an opinion that that resolves it instead.
2: Brad Keithley, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, we will uh, we'll see you next week with more exciting news. Michael, as always, thanks for having me, folks. We gotta go hour two dead ahead the michael duke show common sense radio here we go
0: put that thing back in its holster we haven't gone anywhere I don't understand check out the michael dukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Got to turn that thing up. Got across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and uh, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and FM translator. It is The Michael Dukes Show. Hi. How are you? How are you doing, my friends? Oh, man, I got to tell you, just another day here in rainy, wet, splattery paradise. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. It is the Michael Duke Show, Tuesday edition of the show. We just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets and the weekly top three. Now, um, if you missed it, no problem. Just go back and listen to it on the podcast which uh, is available every day uh, simply by going to, well, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You do listen to podcasts, right? I mean, I think most average people listen to podcasts now at some point. Uh, CastBox, Stitcher, um, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Apple, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and, of course, my favorite, Spotify. Spotify for podcasts. You can look us up on any of those, and if you subscribe, it will automatically download the uh, it'll automatically download the podcast every morning. And away you go, away you go. So go check it out. Go check it out. Um, but it was a good discussion with Brad uh, for the weekly top three. This hour, we're going to be talking here in a few moments with Chris Story the man from Homer who's going to come on board and give us our weekly life coaching lesson question mark i guess that's 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 how we need to look at it the weekly life coaching lesson he's Dr. he's going to uh, he's going to help us through he's going to give us some positivity and we're going to we're going to talk with him here in uh, just a uh, just a minute or so well, just about 10 minutes or so, <clears throat> just uh, I say. Uh, meanwhile, I guess we'll cover some of the other stories, but I mean, I, I want to go back a little bit here and talk um, about what uh, one of the things that Brad was discussing, which is the rank choice voting and this latest survey from Alaska Survey Research talking about the governor's race, um, the, the survey uh, actually, put Mike Dunleavy um, quite a bit ahead in um, in the poll, and it basically said, "Well, uh, you know, he's gonna Mike Dunleavy is going to capture in the initial results, and in basically into the second round of voting, that it will be Mike Dunleavy at forty two percent, and uh, Les Guerra at twenty six percent, and Bill Walker at twenty percent." And I'll be honest with you, I was, I was shocked that Mike Dunleavy, in this purported poll, which is I think almost a thousand registered voters who are likely to vote in the next election, I was shocked that forty-two percent would put Dunleavy back in office because, as I've stated on this program before, um. I'm fairly well. Fairly, I don't think that's even right. I am extremely. I guess that's probably a better descriptor. I am extremely disappointed in the governor's uh, performance, especially in the last uh, couple of years. Now, I mean, there's there is you know I, I I do think that he did a pretty good job during the pandemic. Um, uh, holding things at bay. I mean, you, there's some things you could argue about there, but I think overall he did a pretty good job. Um, I thought that his first budget was uh, that came that came out there 2018. I thought that that budget was um, reasonable, even though there was caterwauling to the sky about it. Right? People were freaking out. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Blah 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 blah. But ever since then, the governor has, in fact, I think, done a pretty piss-poor job of getting the work done that he was hired to do, what he ran on. And what I'm really disappointed in, and maybe this is my own personal bias you know, coming out there, um, is his lack of communication and transparency – with his constituency, with the base, with the people that he uh, talked to to get elected. And, um, and I'm, I'm really frustrated with that. Um, the governor, you know, I invited the governor on the, uh, the I invited governor on the program um, when he was running for office. And I asked him the same question that I ask almost every uh, politician of worth, which is, you know, will you come on? Uh, on a on a, you know semi regular basis to talk with us about what's going on to give us your thoughts to tell us a direction. Oh yes 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 yes. Now it has been well. Let's see. I can uh, let me let me tell you when uh, uh, the last time uh, the governor has it it has been quite a while since the governor uh, has been on the program. In fact, I want to say. It has been um, uh, months. I'm just looking back here to see. I, I think that maybe he was on in uh, uh, in April. Maybe it was March. It could. I mean, it could be as far back as I'm looking right now, just to see if it. Uh, I'm actually looking at the um, uh, looking back at the podcast list here to see when the last time that I had the governor on. Um, I I'm thinking, well, I maybe I haven't had the governor on since the beginning of the year. Um, I don't see uh uh I don't see, I guess I don't see, I guess I don't see it since the beginning of the year. So maybe it is uh, I may not have had the governor on for the last seven months. I, don't, I just don't see it right off the – I'm scrolling through it. I should have looked this up during the break, but um, I was distracted with talking with Brad. Um, but I just – I do not see uh, the governor has the, – the bottom line is, is that I keep asking. And, in fact, the last time I asked the governor to come on, I had to beg, borrow. I had to berate. I had to basically, you know – I had to go at it from a different angle. I couldn't even go through his press secretary. I had to go through somebody else to get to the governor to get him to come on the program. And that's that's disappointing um, because, to me, a leader communicates the direction he's going. You know, I mean, I, 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 in my mind, a lot of times it's like a battlefield commander, right? And it's just how I think of things, and if uh, you're offended by the whole battlefield analogy, sorry, but that's just – that's how I think of things. Um, you know, he may not tell you all the strategy about what you – but you're getting the overall battle plan, right? You're getting the ov- overall objectives of where you're going and what you're doing. You may not get the – the. Um, uh, the, the the details of every action or every plan or every maneuver, but you're getting the basic idea of where you're going and this is where we're heading and this is what we're doing. Um, I had applauded the action by the governor at one point when he was a bit at odds with the news media, when he said, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to go to Facebook and we're going to talk directly to the people. And I was like, yes, yes, do that. Do Facebook Lives with the people, do that. And what did he – he did it twice or something, and then he stopped. And it it, – he's just not communicating what he's thinking or where he's going. It's been – it is – it it has become apparent to me, and I think Brad has actually touched on this a couple times during our discussions, that this governor has become extremely poll- oriented. It's like he's taking the weather to see which way the wind blows and then he tries to embrace those things in that regard. It is excruciatingly frustrating to watch. Um I uh, I uh, somebody just said that I did have him on this year. He mentioned that he wanted to be on a Firearms Friday. Well, good luck getting I mean here's the other thing. This is the other This is a pet peeve as a radio host. When you invite somebody on the program and you're like, look, I will give you nearly the full hour to discuss a, a wide range of topics. Whatever, you know, whatever we decide to talk about, here's what we'll talk about. And the answer is, well, you know, we, we only can talk about, um, we, we've only got 10 minutes. We've only got 12 minutes. We've, you know, we can only talk from, you know, this weird time. To this weird time, instead of talking, you know, from one commercial break to the next, I can only join, you know, he can only join you five minutes into the segment and then he has to go by the end of the segment. And um, th- this is a total pet peeve of mine because my whole style of and if you've listened to the show, you know, this my style is long form. My style is not soundbite. It's not scripted with a bunch of different um Uh, you know, with a bunch of different pre-written questions or anything. It's a free-flowing conversation. I will tell them that people say, well, what questions are you going to ask? I said, well, we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. I'll give them three topics that we'll discuss, but I'm not giving them questions ahead of time. I'm just, I want to have a free-flowing form of conversation. I think that's the best. Um, But the problem is, is that this governor has gone pretty much radio silence there is just no there there is just no communication with rank and file constituents as to what's going on maybe some of the people in the political you know in the political realm maybe they're in the know but the rest of us are kind of just like we just, i just don't know what's going on if there's any piece of advice that I could give to anyone that's running for office in this way, it is can we, you know, can 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 you keep us in the loop as to what's happening? Can you keep us, you know can you keep us together? Uh I, I just I'm I'm frustrated. I'm I am frustrated to say the least. Uh, Over this whole situation. Uh, It looks like the last time. That I had him on the program was November of last year. I just did a search. I did a complete search. November of last year. So eight months ago. And it's an election season. You think somebody would be reaching out to me instead of me trying to hound him. And it's just. The whole thing is frustrating, especially since I had such high hope. And I guess this is the problem with getting high hopes for a politician. Um, I guess I should learn my lesson. You'd think I would have learned my lesson after learning, uh, after uh, supporting Bill Walker originally before he, fin- before he split and joined with Byron Mallott. I was a supporter of Bill Walker. And uh, you- I guess you would have, uh, you think I would have learned my lesson from that. But apparently not. All right. well we're up against the break Um, I guess I've ranted enough for the day We will uh, We'll uh, we'll continue Here in just a moment We've got uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer He's going to be Continuing with us and giving us a weekly update A little life coaching We'll return with more in just a moment The Michael Duke Show Common Sense, Liberty Based Free Thinking Radio We'll return right after this.
0: Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: I don't know if you can hear the frustration in my voice, but it's so irritating. I mean, look, not that this show is the end-all be-all of media outlets, but we've been a pretty friendly atmosphere for the governor for quite a while, and yet we can't be bothered to – he just can't be bothered to come on board and and talk with us. I mean, it's so frustrating. So frustrating. Um, Yeah, it looks like. The fourth of November, is what it looks like. That's the that's the last time. That's the last time that uh, uh, the governor was uh, on was on the program. The fourth of November. I'm just I'm going back sure here to make sure that that is the actual case here. Um, yeah, I just don't, uh, I just don't see anything. But, uh, oh, wait, no, that's not it. I thought for a second, I thought for a second that I was wrong, but then I realized that I was mistaken. Okay. Well, now it's broken. Now I broke it. Okay. There we go. Uh Yeah, I I just don't know. I just don't know what to say. Well, I guess we'll... uh, Oh, there we go. Yeah, 4th of November. Eight months ago. Eight months ago. Uh, Man, the governor's far too busy picking out his obscurely ethnic North Face jackets and vests for his press junkets. He can't be troubled to answer the questions of the peasants. Says Anthony. Terry says Dunleavy isn't even campaigning. Does he think he's just a shoe-in? I, I I guess. I mean, according to that poll that we were just talking about, it looks like maybe he is. Michael says he questions the poll's accuracy with only 1000 people. I mean, there's statistical modeling, Michael, that shows that that, hun- that 1000 people could be I mean, that 1,000 that people could be a representative sample of how many – I mean, polls are – how do you run a poll for a nation when they – you know, this is a nationwide poll and we surveyed 1,400 people or 10,000 people out of 330 million. How do you say that's a representative sample? I mean, there's science behind it and and no, I don't necessarily understand it, but by God, at least – I just want somebody who will continue to talk to us. I just want somebody who will continue to explain their actions and give us their goals and their – you know, give us an outline of their plan of where they're going and everything else. David said it would be interesting he that he would be interested to hear what Dunleavy would say. <laughs> the spin. Um, Chris says he Christopher says he ran against Walker. It was the only choice you had when you, the only choice you had was Dunleavy. Well, I mean, I guess that's true. But I remember, Mark Beggage was running as well. So maybe was he the only conservative choice, so that's what you got? I mean, you had—there was others. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm so frustrated by this whole thing. But maybe that's why we should just bring—maybe that's just why we should bring our guest on and uh, talk to uh, talk to our guest, Chris Story, the man from Homer. I guess I need to put—I need to flip some switches here and put the right stuff in so that he's actually—you can you can actually hear him. Hello, Mr. Story. How are you, my friend?
4: I'm great. Mead Treadwell
2: was also a conservative choice. That's right. That's Mead not. Treadwell was a conservative choice. Um, mm-hmm. although uh, on its face, I guess maybe they ended up both being about the same level of conservative. But my concern was that Mead was definitely not a full red conservative that i that I thought. But you know what? Who knows? Maybe that would have been I don't know if that was the better choice or not. I don't even I think.
4: Yeah, I think your point, what I'm hearing, is that you just want somebody who is willing to be, I don't know, vulnerable, real, show all, whatever. Make a decision and stand by it. Stand tall by yeah. it and just say, this is my decision, rather than sticking a wet finger in the air and trying to determine the winds and will of the people and w- what will make me more popular. I yeah. can't stand
2: that. No, no, no. The the, the whole edict by poll is just, it's irritating as hell. All right, hold the, hold the line, Chris. Chris Story, our guest. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. All right, welcome back. The Michael Duke Show. Chris Story, the man from Homer, he is a realtor. He is a potter. I know, like with pottery, not with the other stuff. Uh, and he is a uh, all-around good dude. Oh, plus he's like, a, you know, a motivational speaker, writer, author, all-around Renaissance man. Chris Story joins us this morning from the land down under, on top of the world on Homer. Hello, my friend. How are you, Michael? Guess where I woke up this morning? On top of the world. I wish I could
4: deny it, but that's, that's exactly where I am. And today, I thought to myself, with apologies to Elmore Leonard, I wanted to talk with you about a topic I'm calling Hey Shorty.
2: Get Confident. Hey, Shorty, Get Confident. That is the – that's the get. – just so you know, Elmore Leonard has wrote a book called Get Shorty. Uh, anyway, I like it. Hey, Shorty, Get Confident. Um, I didn't know what we were going to talk about today. I'll be honest. I, I need this talk today. Whatever it is, I need a little bit of positivity in my life. The last day or two has been a little bit uh, – uh, rough in the uh, in the old work. Uh, yesterday I went in and I was just so scattered I couldn't get it. I just felt I felt down like, boy, I'm doing horribly. I don't know what's going on. So I do, I definitely know that these weekly visits with you are definitely a balm to my soul and they help me out. So hey, shorty, get confident. Tell me about it.
4: <laughs> well, and I did read some of the blogs of your employees yesterday, and you did horribly. That, that that's been confirmed by three that, three independent sources.
2: That is true. Media. I so, mean, yesterday I walked around like, what am I doing? Why did I just you know? No, it was horrible. It, yesterday, I mean, was a beautiful day and everything else. But by the end of the day, I'm like, I'm go, I'm going home and starting fresh. And, they, and
4: well, and they were talking about you behind your back. But anyway, that's a whole other. topic, true. Michael. That's a separate. True. Let's just do that on our our paid for coaching. But yeah. uh, okay, so <laughs> I want to talk. about about... about confidence because I think confidence is so often mistaken or what's another word conflated with arrogance I think the two are often mistaken and truly confidence is by definition the state of feeling certain about the truth of something and so basically it's a state of mind and I think arrogance of course I think personally arrogance is actually the concealment of of the lack of confidence. It's a lack of certainty. I think arrogance when you find it in yourself or others is really masking an insecurity or a collection of insecurity. So essentially I think, and I would proffer this morning to you, Michael Dukes, that you can improve your life in a minute, in a second, in an instant by simply deciding to be confident, making a decision to employ confidence right here, right now. Because after all, It's simply a state of mind. It doesn't mean you know everything. It doesn't mean you've got all the answers. But here's what confidence means in my mind. You have the courage to ask the questions. You have the courage to say, I don't know, but I'll find out or ask the question And of the right people, by the way, not asking you, don't ask the wrong people, the right questions, ask the right people, the right questions that will build your confidence. Confidence is essentially something that I believe you can build upon. It's like a muscle. And once you start using it and you employ this state of mind and decide right now to do it and become confident, you will become confident. And you can use curiosity as your guide. Simply show up and be curious and you will become more confident in everything you do. Guaranteed
2: you know i've I, I've never been accused of not having you know of of being timid or or not having confidence. I've always been a pretty confident person in a lot of ways. but even people who uh, are confident like I said yesterday uh, I, I would have said I was not confident that I was uh, doing a good job. you know what I mean There are times mm-hmm. even then that you have to deal with that how do you how do you as a very confident uh, personality and positivity guru, how how do you deal with issues like that where um, you're feeling like I am not put together? I am the worst person in the world right now for what's going on. What what do I do? what What's your what's your secret, Mister Story? Uh, I'm so glad
4: you asked. That that's quite funny. You should say that. The truth of it is, I think that the secret to confidence is to notice when you're not notice when it's lacking or flagging in your life. If you're just a little bit unsure of something, stop and notice it. Use that as your compass to determine, wait a minute, what's going on here? What am I missing in this moment? Who can who can I turn to? Who can I ask? Or do I need just a minute to withdraw from society? Do I need to withdraw from this instance and just go get centered? And by centered, I mean, that's anything from walking in nature. That's anything from closing your eyes for a minute. That's just being still, or it could be just curiosity needs to reign the day and say, huh, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to sit down and talk to somebody or I'm going to find out what is happening, ask uh, questions and get answers. And I think you'll begin to just employ this confidence. So if you feel a lack of confidence often, or you feel like, man, I just keep getting stuck or my progress is halted, then I think you have to come back to that decision that I shall be confident, which means I'm willing to say, I don't know, I'm willing to be curious, I'm willing to explore what's going on, and and take ownership and take responsibility, be be willing to say, you know what, Uh, I probably didn't do what I needed to do this weekend to bring my best self to work Monday morning, whatever, I'm going to take a few minutes, and I'm just going to go get centered, I'm going to be calm, I'm going to be quiet, I'm going to be alone for a minute, and really just understand this is a trigger point to remind me to go take care of myself, but having the confidence to explore beyond your comfort zone, I think is another thing that, you know, when you feel uncomfortable with something, oh, wait a minute, oh, I like this, Decide you like that feeling, oh, I like it, and I'm confident and comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Paradoxically, essentially what you're doing is saying, oh, this is, got it, I know this feeling, I've been here before, I, I was very uncomfortable and not confident in walking until I was about two or two and a half or whatever. And now I'm completely confident. I don't even think about it. I have all the confidence in the world to handle the vehicle in any, almost any kind of traffic. But it used to be, I couldn't drive. When I got my permit, I was completely incompetent and uncomfortable and not confident in driving. Thank goodness, because that's when you pay the most attention. So not being confident doesn't mean that you allow yourself to feel weak. And I think that's a big difference. There's a defined gray mist of confidence, arrogance, and weakness and how they get conflated and confused. And I think it's just understanding confidence is showing up, even though you don't have all the answers, showing up, knowing you are equal to every single person on this planet. You know, they say never meet your heroes. Well, why? Because you're going to discover they're human just like you. They're beautifully right. and fabulously flawed just like you. So if you made them, you're going to be disappointed. Well, the reality is you're just going to realize they're no different than you, and you should have all the confidence in the world to walk out on the stage of your life, even if you don't want front and center stage. You don't want the spotlight necessarily, like, like Michael Dukes and Chris Story. We obviously – crave it, hence the microphone in our face constantly, but the idea that you don't have to be like Michael Dukes to be confident in who you are and what you do, because you just heard Michael Dukes confess and admit to you that yesterday, eh, he wasn't feeling it, didn't feel the confidence, it wasn't there, and yet you, Michael, have the, the ability to face that, change your state of mind and come back here at 6 o'clock this morning and do what you do.
2: You know, it's interesting because like you said in the beginning, a lot of people mistake – and I don't know if it's a perception thing or if it's just a difference in personalities, but a lot of people mistake confidence for arrogance. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and whether that's people perceiving you as being confident slash arrogant, or whether you saying I'm going to be confident. So you act arrogant instead of actually acting confident, break down those two things for me in, in your mind. Like if I'm like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go forth and be confident, but instead I'm really just acting arrogantly, break it down for me as to which, you know, how do I, how do I put, how do I use confidence instead of again, being arrogant about it?
4: I think it's, it's ultimately just admitting that i don't have all the answers in the situation i can be confident in the unknown but arrogance is trying to mask my ignorance arrogance is trying to mask my insecurities and my inability to cope with my deficiencies rather than fill in for or try to overcome those deficiencies and i think when you when you project arrogance onto somebody who is confident in a situation that you are not it's just simply a projection psychologically speaking you're projecting your lack of confidence in a situation on somebody who's incredibly confident or they might just be arrogant they literally might themselves be trying to make up for or compensate for something that might yet be unseen or unknown by everybody else but they know their phoning it in or faking it until they make it whatever and they're going to display arrogance sort of peacocking around when really they're a vulnerable child inside who's trying to throw out their porcupine quills to keep everybody else at bay i think it's just a matter of curiosity and saying to yourself you know is this person arrogant or is this person confident i got into a dispute with uh somebody uh over a business situation and they assumed it was racially motivated And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? So rather than just let this assumption go by, I said, you know what? Let's meet. Let's you and I go meet. I criticized your business. You, and justly so, by the way, uh, and you threw in my face that it was racially motivated. Let's go sit down and talk about it. And I asked this person, I said, did it ever occur to you that rather than racism, rather than me being a racist, could this be that I'm just a jerk? could I just be a jerk? Did that ever occur to you? And he goes, well, actually, yeah, maybe you are. And we had a great time and we healed the wounds and misunderstanding. But that's a reality that I would suggest to anybody. If you think somebody, let's say, for example, you think Mike Dunlady is the most arrogant, cocky, rude, whatever your thoughts are. Could it be that he hides behind his press? secretary and his people and handlers, because inside that six foot seven frame is a small, small man that is hiding all of his uh, inefficiencies and insecurities. Yeah, that's a real possibility. He is so far outside of his capabilities. He wants to hide and and can come off as arrogantly not talking to the public when really he's just a small child inside a giant body hiding. And that's something that might help us understand who he is and the decisions that he makes or the lack of decisions he's willing to make, as it were. And uh, not to say that, oh, we'll excuse and give him another term. But maybe we understand the person a little bit more if if we can can just separate the the tumor from the spine, if you will, and say, ah, here's the arrogance, I see where it lives versus your ability to make yourself confident in this moment by simply changing your mind. It is a state of mind.
2: Uh, somebody in the chat room asked, Brian says, is this the companion to fake it till you make it? And I think in my mind, yes, because it's that. But, you know, the problem with fake it till you make it, if there's a, you know, again, the negative connotations of faking it, we've talked about that, that really that's how you get ahead and, and further yourself is you basically fool yourself. You pretend to be what you want to be until you are. Uh, but the 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 corollary to that is that if you fake it, in the wrong way or you fake it too much and you fake that confidence i think that's when the i think that's when the arrogance comes out when you're not faking it properly i guess <laughs> is is that if that's a good analogy or not faking it properly then you do end up with that arrogance thing
4: yeah uh, or or just just recognizing that oh I'm feeling arrogant. I don't want to be told like, don't tell me that I'm not wearing any clothes or that I've got the underwear on the outside of my pants. You don't tell me what to wear. Ooh. I recognize in being arrogant in this moment, could it be that I'm masking some insecurity? Could it be that I'm not comfortable in this situation so I'm gonna conceal it with arrogance like peanut butter on top of a bread? Maybe. And so just being consciously aware and understanding both are states of mind, arrogance and confidence. Confidence is a state of mind that will help you, help others, help yourself understand what else could be going on here. And arrogance is a lack of curiosity. So I think tip, basically confidence is being curious. I can walk onto a stage, I can walk up to you, a stranger, I can walk into a party, walk into a room, and be curious about the person I'm talking to. For example, I have a GED, Michael, so every other person I've talked to with either a high school diploma, a college degree, or a PhD could intimidate me. But I've decided to be curious about, let's say the PhD candidate I met uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, I wasn't intimidated, and even though I have nothing to boast relative to degrees or diplomas, I was incredibly curious as to what drove them to the PhD that they were seeking in that moment. And to me, that's not arrogance, like, I don't need your PhD. No, or, it's piled high, high and deep. I just say, wow, this is fascinating. Tell me more about it. And instantly, you can build rapport by simply being curious about somebody else. And there you can build your confidence because you're not showing up to know everything, but you're showing up to learn as much as you can. Confidence grows from that place.
2: <clears throat> My final thought on this before I give you your final thought oh, is God. that I know really it's, we're there finally, um, <laughs> is that I think for me confidence comes from the fact that I acknowledge and I admit that I don't know everything and that there's always something new to learn. And uh, that that I always try and ground myself in that, that I, I just don't know. I mean, there, I don't know. And the worst part is I don't know what I don't know half the time. And so as long as I acknowledge that, uh, I can be confident in the things that I do know, but I'm not arrogant enough to say that I know everything. And I think that is, to me, one of the basis of confidence. I'll give you the final word here.
4: I love it, Michael. I think that's perfect. And I'd say you have the right to walk in this world and on this planet with your head held high Confidently into any situation And remember the greatest weapon against A lack of confidence is Curiosity
2: Yeah, no, you gotta be curious You gotta be curious in life and again Understanding that there's always something To learn, I love that Um, And uh, being confident is Probably one of the cornerstones Of any successful life I doubt you'll find many very successful People who are not confident In one way, shape, or form uh, exactly. Chris Story. I love Homer. Alaska.com is his website. He's got a whole handful of books out. He's doing his uh, he's doing his backyard millionaire podcast. He's on the air on KPEN down in the uh, peninsula on Thursdays and Tuesdays at one o'clock. And uh, you shouldn't miss him. Chris, thank you, my friend, for coming on board and being uh, part of it today
4: my pleasure michael thanks for having me
2: always good to talk with you my friend always a pleasure and he did you notice how he mentioned we'll talk about that on our paid sessions was i supposed to be paying you i, I forgot was that was <laughs> it, maybe we'll talk uh, about that later i'm, com- I'm confident that i don't have to pay you that's what i'm saying right now thank you my friend i appreciate it folks we're out of time the michael duke show one final segment dead ahead we'll open up the phone lines here we go common sense radio
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Okay. In the break, just you and me, baby. Just you and me. And me, we shall be confident. Yeah, we, I'm sorry, Chris just sent me a message. I've got to make sure that I read this. He's offended if I don't read his messages immediately on the air. Uh, John Leakes, The Courage to Face COVID-19, is uh, his guest today. Chris's guest today at 1 p.m., for those of you on the peninsula, is John Leakes, author of the book, The Courage to Face COVID-19. 19. All right. So there you go. There you go. Um, All right. Um, Did I miss the good news portion of the show? Said Jimmy. No, Jimmy, I did not do good news today. I will be doing good news tomorrow. I told you it's not going to be an everyday thing because believe it or not, it's kind of hard to track down lots of good news stories. Um, You might get one or two um, a week that are really relevant and good and share. But I am working on it. The good news. I'm sharing with you the good news of our Lord and Savior. Safe... No, it's actually just good news. It's, it's good. So, well. Not sure that that message will help Dunleavy's re-election. Vote for Mike Dunleavy. He's a giant man baby with feelings and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Probably not a... Uh, Probably not a campaign slogan that you'll be wanting to go with on that for sure. Um, but I agree. I, I agree with what Brian said that uh, you know uh, this is a companion in a way to fake it till you make it because the people who I think try to um, to to push or press or you know who uh, who try to overdo the fake it till you make it they try to that confidence comes off again as arrogance and that is problematic to say the least problematic for sure all right um murat says exactly totally believe he's afraid she's talking about dunlavy this is what chris was saying Totally believe he's afraid to face us. It's still early. I don't think I'm voting for Dunleavy. I, I I think that he is, Um. I think Mike Dunleavy, which is, it's ironic, but I think he's way outside of his comfort zone as a person. For being such a big, tall guy, right, almost eight foot tall, whatever he is, six, seven or whatever, he is a, um, I think he's uncomfortable. Uh, uh, you know, being put in the public eye in that way, which is ironic when you run for governor because that's kind of part and parcel of the deal. But I get the feeling that he is, um, I get the feeling that he is very uncomfortable, uh, in those situations and being outside of his comfort zone. And the only way you, the only way you really overcome that kind of stuff is, um, um, is the uh, you know is to do it the only way you overcome that kind of stuff is to gain familiarity with and you do it i think it's like what chris said early on you know when you first start driving a car you're very nervous because you don't and you're you're hyper attentive right which is good because you're a new driver and you need to be hyper attentive but you know 10 years on you could drive all the way to work and not even remember the trip Right, you could drive to work on autopilot, thinking about something or listening to a book or whatever, and you get to work and you're like, "Wow, I don't even remember driving here," kind of thing. So, uh, I I think it's um, uh, I, I think it's interesting, but I think mostly my take on it is that the governor. Doesn't do a lot of the things that I've just described to you, you know, talking about going out, to, you know, talking to the public, meeting people, uh, you know, sharing his vision or his goals or whatever, is because he's very uncomfortable. It's very outside of his comfort zone, which, again, is ironic because uh, uh, because, because uh, uh he is the governor. When you run for that office, there's kind of some expectations Expectations uh, For that All this politics is fine Says Anthony But uh, let's talk about The massive R2-D2 plot hole In the Obi-Wan series I have not watched The Obi-Wan series yet Anthony No spoilers Don't want to hear Anything about it um, The only thing I know About the Obi-Wan series Is that Obi-Wan lives Because he ends up In the movie So it's all good. I don't want to hear About it though Okay. <laughs> oh man. Um but yeah, the the massive plot holes in the Obi-Wan series. I'll have to see what they do. Um I've got to watch the Obi-Wan series. Heard chef biting my tongue. Um <clears throat> All right. Uh definitely agree with you, Michael. He needs to get engaged immediately. I'm totally lacking confidence in him. I mean, not surprising not surprising all right well I guess we will open the phone lines and see what you guys have to say or we could talk about whatever I'm okay with that I'm I have uh, I got nothing I'm just still thinking about what Chris said so we'll get back to that the Michael Duke show here we go Okay, you ready? Oh, one final segment of today's show, and um, I'm still thinking about what Chris said. Because uh, I look, I am the first to admit that uh, you know the contrary to popular opinion, I am not a hundred percent confident of myself every day, all the time. No, I mean, I was a hot mess yesterday Um, after doing the show, which I thought went fairly well. um, You know, I was working and stuff, and I just could not remain on target. I could not remain on task. I could not remain focused. And maybe I should have taken – and I went through the whole day like that. Now, luckily, that made the day go very fast because I was, (laughs) you know, going around in a a little different thing. But, um, you know, maybe what I should have done is taken 10 minutes to get up. Walk around, go outside, breathe some fresh air, center myself, do all that kind of stuff, um, and, uh, and come back to it. But there are days when we just don't feel like ourselves. We don't feel confident. We don't feel uh, put together. We don't feel – we feel scattered uh, and then, of course, we beat ourselves up later on because why couldn't I have done better today? Why couldn't I have been more focused on my work? Why didn't I – why did I get in that 20-minute rabbit hole on Facebook or YouTube or, or Google or whatever doing whatever we were doing? Why did I get into that when I should have been focusing on the stuff that I need to get done? I guess the uh, – my answer to that is, you know, one, uh, you know, kind of forgive yourself because you're human. Two, recenter. Get that confidence again, so um, it uh, uh anyway, I was looking forward to Chris's commentary today. first things first. That was the first thing I was looking forward to was Chris's commentary today so that we could so that I could get a little bit of that because I need that i i uh, I need that uh probably more frequently than people would surmise so um look, I want to uh I want to open up the phone lines and uh see what you guys want to talk about uh anything that we talked about today is fair game um i am i am okay with that whatever you want to discuss feel free to dive uh, into it and let's uh and let's get into it let's see what you guys uh let's see what you guys have to say 907-433-3150 907-433-3150 if you would like to uh, um, sound off and, and tell us uh, what's going on in your mind or what's going on in your life or uh, you know, talk to us about a specific topic, uh, you can call in on the Satellite West call-in line. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by your friends at Satellite West, if I didn't mention that earlier, uh, you can find out more about them at satellitewest.com. We appreciate uh, them for sponsoring the program and being part of it, uh, helping to keep us on the air uh, and uh, keep us, uh, you know, keep my kids in shoes and my cup of coffee full. That's what it's all about. Uh, So feel free to call us in on that. Coming up on tomorrow's show uh, is going to be Larry Wood, who is the candidate for House District 25 in uh, the Matsu. He's going to be joining us. And then we're going to be talking with State Senator Mike Schauer. On Thursday, we're going to be talking with Elijah Verhagen, who's running for the uh, State Senate in the Fairbanks area uh, against Click Bishop. And then in the second hour, we're going to be talking with Walter Jones, who is running against Gary Stevens down in the Lower Peninsula, Kodiak and Lower Peninsula area. So we got a full full boat of guests this week. I was I was busy. I may have been a little scattered yesterday, but I did get some stuff booked for this week. So we're looking forward to that coming up uh, tomorrow and Thursday. Meanwhile, we'll go to the uh, phone and uh, see what you guys have to say. And we'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? It's hey, John up am Fairbanks. Hello, John. What's on your mind, sir?
3: Yeah, I enjoyed the discussion. Of- the big guys,
2: the big guys, the big guys. Yeah. I think you're a big guy yourself. You understand the 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 take the, the big guys, yeah. big guys with a small baby inside of them. Is that that's going to be the campaign slogan? Is that what you're saying?
3: what, what, what I'm saying is, you know, is the difference between six, seven, and six, nine. The, uh, I'm 5'21, as you know.
2: Right, right, and five foot twenty one, exactly.
3: We, the door jams are, you know, six eight. Right. So you learn real early to suck your head when you go inside a door. You're going to have a nice little scar like I got on the top of my head.
2: Right, right. But,
3: you, you know, the deal, big guys are, you know, they, they try to be cautious around people. Just because of the stature, there's things that we can't do. Right. Uh, we can't sit and coach in there. Uh, and, and I've met the governor before. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. And politically i i think he's probably doing a pretty good job but you know alaskans are like you know you put 50 alaskans in a room there's it's locked and they'll come up with 50 different ways to get out right and we'll still be we'll still be stuck in that room
2: we'll be doing a study right on how to get out of the room a study that studied the study on the previous people that were stuck in the room
3: which brings me to the alaska study industry of course right we just we just need to study more stuff. We just, and we yeah, probably we study to tell us what we need to study. Because right. if we study stuff, then we don't. Have to- we don't have to do
2: anything. Right. I think you and I had a conversation one time, John, that figured out that they did enough studies that they could fill a whole library wing with just the studies. Uh, and so the, we decided that they needed to do a study on the studies to figure out what we hadn't studied yet, or at least go back over it. I mean, th- that's that's the whole baked-in-the-squat mentality that we get, it seems like, out of Alaska government.
3: Well, you know, the Sioux Sitting in the Dam is a prime example of studies in studies and studies we've spent alaska has spent billions of dollars in studies and you know you're, you're talking about the permanent fund and things like that and we're studying what can happen if if uh, we didn't you know if we've used the permanent fund the way it was designed but it's not being used the way it was designed to be used and so we better study that and nothing changes nothing
2: well, and I and I agree with that. I mean, we, at some point you have to move forward. You can't just keep looking and analyzing the problem. You eventually, even, I mean, because you could sit and analyze something to death, you eventually have to move forward. And maybe your information is wrong. Maybe your supposition is wrong. Maybe your plan of attack is wrong. But, you know, inaction is just as bad as, uh, as making the wrong decision. I mean, at that point, you eventually have to move forward and do something with it. And if you have to change on the fly, then you have to change on the fly. But at least you've got to move forward and do something.
3: You have to. And in my business, you know, we have, a, we have kind of a policy that, you know, if something needs to be fixed, we'll fix it. If it, does, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, there's another expression. And I think with Alaska, everybody that we elect seems like they want to be right. They want to be all inclusive. But sometimes you just can't. You got to do something. Right. And if it's wrong, screw it. Yeah. You know, you're going to. You reset. You gotta do something.
2: Yeah. You reset and you take another fresh crack at it, is what you do. John, I couldn't agree with you more. John is the founder of the Alaska study industry. He'd like to study some more. So I, I definitely got it. Thank you, John, for coming on board, my friend. It's good to hear from you. Appreciate you coming on board today. Folks, we are out of time. We gotta go. Tomorrow, Larry Wood, Mike Shower, The Michael Duke Show. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. John and I have joked for years that uh, we're stuck in the Alaska study industry matrix. That's exactly what we're doing. (laughs) We're just like, one thing, well, let's study that. Well, didn't we study it 10 years ago? I don't know, let's create a study that studies the studies that we studied before. And nobody ever moves, we spend billions of dollars on it and nothing ever happens. Billions of dollars on studies. All right, well... We best we best flee. We got to go. Thanks for coming on board. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Even those that hate you. Even those that irritate you. Those are the ones you need to love the most. All right, my friends. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.